Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. Hey guys, welcome to the CPD Junkie Podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we're joined by Dr. Shravan Chunduru. Shravan graduated I qualified as a dentist in Adelaide and spent several years working in rural Victoria in which he gained an appreciation for managing patients with failing dentitions and complex restorative needs. It is with this experience he completed a specialization in prosthodontics at the University of Sydney to expand his knowledge and experience in advanced restorative treatment of worn, failing and missing teeth. He has practiced in Sydney for many years in public hospital, private and university settings. Shravan also works at the Adelaide Dental Hospital part-time as a consulting specialist prosthodontist. He has a special interest in managing patients with failing or no teeth, removal of dentures, and planning of dentures or implants. Dr. Shravan Chunduru, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. So, before you were a specialist, you were a general dentist working in rural Victoria. Uh, where did your CPD or dental journey start? Well, funnily enough, it actually probably started a bit earlier in high school where um, I was actually on a pathway to doing IT. So my, my father nurtured that a little bit and enrolled me into a few IT courses for programming and all sorts of other things and work experience, even some in India, actually. So. <laughs> So on a, on a visit to India, we, um, we had a short course in Java programming and I had actually never used Java before and never used Java since. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the point was, I think he was trying to nurture as much of my interest in IT as possible. But I actually decided, no, that's not the way I wanted to go and went down. Um, uh, and that was from my work experience that showed what working life as a, an IT programmer, engineer and everything is like. And I didn't like it, to be honest. <laughs> I wanted, um, so we, uh, so I pivoted um, and started aiming for um, dentistry uh, as uh, my parents wanted me to aim for medicine, but that's a different story <laughs> altogether. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, and then, yeah, I think my very, my very first dental CPD outside of university would have actually been endodontics. So I did a very, uh, I did a two day hands-on and didactic endodontic course at the University of Melbourne. And that was actually by necessity because uh, we trained endodontics hand files mostly um, at, at the time I was at uni. And, at, and I think the, the, the subsequent years after that had experience with rotary systems. I had zero experience with rotary systems. So 
So I, I, I made that as my very first CPD course because I wanted to go straight into applying what I was learning into my clinical practice. So I did that two days um, course over a weekend in Melbourne. Yeah. And straight away, I was able to be a lot more confident and comfortable with um, rotary endodontics. Yeah, that, that would have been pretty cutting edge back then, hey, because I think the universities probably weren't incorporating that so much at that time. It was, it was being introduced gradually. And I think the first groups that had it were the ones that had endodontics as an elective subject. And as when we had, I don't know if that's still the case, but we had elective topics that we could do in our final years. Right. So, yeah. So the elective topic was, I think, ran by Peter, um, Prof. Cathro at the time. Yes. Um, and whereas the, the, the normal endodontic stream at that time didn't have rotary. So, yes. um, in fourth year. So, right. Yeah. So and I then think you that's... had that in your practice as well, you said. So that's why you wanted yeah, to yeah, get and that's, more into it. And that's exactly the reason. Um it was a it was a practice equipped with rotary instruments. Um that knowing that they use pro tapers, I wanted to go into a course that would not only just talk about endodontics generally, but also specifically how to use pro taper and other files. Mm, so yeah. um so yeah, it was it was very much selected on the basis of hands-on and directly applicable to what I was what I was trying to get extra skills in at the yeah. time. And then what you what what was the next CPD that you decided to do after that? Um, a lot of that was basically just some some ongoing. Um, some of them were from companies. Some of them were from um, people in Melbourne because that's where most of the CPDs were. Um, and um, I think. The yeah, so I think I went down to Melbourne for um, um, one on all on four, um, just as an introduction. And at the time, that seemed like a sales pitch to um, get referrers essentially, as opposed to learning very much a lot about the um, the process and the procedure. Wow. So yeah. yeah, so some some things were informative, and other things were essentially sales pitch into other things or. To referring to them for other things essentially so yeah and it's it was difficult at the time to work out what was what <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it's tricky because like back then nobel biocare was pretty big and all in four was probably an up-and-coming very exciting topic um that they were kind of promoting more about i'm surprised yes. you went and jumped straight into learning about all in four straight away at that time well, it was it was an opportunistic thing as opposed to something I sought out. So um, I think we had a few people from the area all just sort of jump in carpool to go to this one. So that's kind yeah. of um, it, it kind of worked out that way. Um, so and like with anything, you, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. um, and and that's something that was very common as an as an early new grad is that you is i found that i knew certain things and i knew them really well but then outside of those things it was it was almost like a, an endless desert of information that um you, and you didn't know which one's the right direction to go in or whether you're going to like the the additional types of things or whether or, or purely just from a treatment planning perspective, whether these uh, these options exist 
and sometimes mm. you didn't even know they existed at the time so yeah and and that was probably what um uh led me to seek more and more because at the time i just there was gaps in the knowledge that yeah. university only provided so much in yes. terms of the, the enormous breadth of what we can do in dentistry so yeah and was it because you were talking to your your boss at the time who was telling you oh there's these seminars that were coming up or was it that you were talking to friends and your friends were like ah oh, actually this is something that's coming up i would like to attend do you want to come along yeah it's, it was a mix of both actually so um um the boss suggested courses that i think he also thought would be useful from from his point of view in, in terms of getting us upskilled to do certain things in the practice yeah all and of then all. We, uh, he he <laughs> was he, he he attended that one himself as well so that i think he um he he was an implant surgeon so he yeah so i think there was a then there was an element of um getting us familiar familiarized with that as well um yeah. not that he does many himself or he didn't at the time so yeah. um so yeah it, it was it was interesting that way. Um, but as I said, the endodontics one, I did a really big um, composite course. Um, so, and it was more like adhesive bonding and, um, and that was a, that was an, an, an all day one. So it was bonding, ceramics, composite. And that was, that blew my mind because at the time we were only really familiar with um, PBM crowns, gold crowns, and you know just an assortment of cements that we had in dental school yeah and then after that it was kind of like wait there's so many different products out there so many different adhesive mechanisms which are now a lot more well known but yes. at the time i was like oh i'm just cementing pbms with um with the grc and that was really <laughs> pretty much the, yeah. limited, the limiting factor at that point is my my knowledge and my confidence in doing adhesive dentistry for example so mm -hmm. yeah. and was that what ended up catapulting you into deciding you wanted to specialize like what, what that was that was one um there was another one that was really really pivotal for me and this is comes back down to the you don't know what you don't know uh we came across a lot of worn dentition um and erosion and bruxism wear and that sort of stuff and I'd, I'd be looking at that scratching my head thinking how am i going to approach this i don't and the first thing that sort of came into my mind was probably you know pull out teeth and do immediate dentures but then not everyone wanted that yeah. but then although some did so that that became one of my common things um in my general practice is that I did quite a lot of immediate full upper, full lower dentures right? Um, for failing dentitions. But I wanted to know what can I do if the person said, no, I want to keep the teeth. Yeah. And oftentimes, as I said, I'd, I'd be a bit puzzled as to how do, I, how do I approach that. Yeah. So I shelled out a lot of cash to go to Sydney. Yeah. And I did a, um, a, 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 a two-day fairly big lecture series on full mouth rehabilitation. Yeah. So, and that, and that was just, it was like a primer. It was, yeah. you, you, you're touching on lots of different topics that um, in 
when I look at it now, it's essentially like um, touching on every topic of our pros, pros course or pros degree. Right, right. In full mouth rehab. So, yes. but um, did I, but the question was, did I walk away feeling like I'm confident in doing full mouth rehabs? The answer was not really. Right. And that right. was just me personally. Yeah. Because although they did talk about concepts, how to do it, what's the workflow, all of that sort of stuff. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the hand that could guide me, I guess, yes. in that sense. And I realized that there were those things that were lacking in application of that in my practice. Right. So that was probably a big driver for me to go into pros is I wanted that, that almost like um, someone that can supervise and really guide you as to how to work up patients, how to select materials, how to treatment plan. Right, yeah. So it's more, more like that at the time that you were you were, you started doing you had all these tough cases and complex cases going on and then you decide actually I want to go educate myself on it and then you yes. went and educated yourself on it and you realize that actually there's actually so much more that I don't understand and um, going back you didn't feel comfortable with it and that's really yeah. what got you interested into specializing. Absolutely. So yeah. For me personally, I think the application of those concepts could vary depending on what what skills you went to the seminar to beforehand. Yeah. And and as I said, I think it was a, a light bulb moment. Is like I actually didn't know as much as I thought I did in that yeah. sense. So right. And and it's and as a, and these sort of things weren't particularly commonplace in dental school either because most of the focus was on single unit dentistry, conformative dentistry, not mm. reorganization um, and the the whole overall occlusion, the bite, everything like that. So Right. Yeah. And then so uh, you ended up specializing. How did you find yeah. it? Uh, that was it was um, it was a challenge um, because before specializing, um, we had to well be, before getting getting into the specialty was also a bit of a challenge to begin with because we had to go through um, the primaries, the RACDS primaries, which I think yes. a lot of a lot of your viewers either have done or, or are contemplating doing. So, um, and that also was an eye-opening experience in terms of um, getting myself back into a mode where study um, would become part of my life again. Because yeah. at the time, other than the CPDs, I was just working, earning money, going home, spending time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, doing all sorts of other things, and then, then going back into a routine of oh, going home, studying for three, four hours, uh, going to the um, uh, the the primary course, you know, the orientation course in Sydney, yeah, and yeah, and that was just a bit. It was a bit of an eye-opening experience for my wife and I, and they just tried to. <laughs> um, uh, and I think I went into it really not very confident. Yeah, is a short answer. So mm -hmm. I went through the like the the written exams and the interviews, thinking that oh yeah, I'm going to fail. I'm going to need to resit this again. You know, I've resigned myself to that point, but I yeah. didn't want to not try. I didn't want yeah. to not do it. So I took the exams and yeah, and I was surprisingly, I, I did pass. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's one, that's one hurdle over. 
then going through this then I applied for my the specialties in all the different programs. Um, yes. As you know, I got into Sydney, so I, I moved to Sydney essentially. Yes. So that was another life challenge, but but that's not part of that talk. <laughs> Coming from regional Victoria into into a, a, a city that's much bigger than my hometown of Melbourne. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, and then then from there we moved on to like um, getting back into that routine of studying. For me, also, the other thing that was a big learning curve um, was um, learning laboratory work. So, and this is what I learned is that the Sydney DMD um, graduates who yes. did their their course in, in Sydney, even even at that, um, that, that, that level, they were doing a lot more lab work than we did in our, in our Adelaide course. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were making special trays, wax rims, setting up teeth, with the assistance of the the lab techs, of course, but not right. so it's not completely you know on their own. But yes, the point is they were actually viewing and and seeing some of the behind the scenes that we normally don't see if we drop things off at the lab and then it magically appears. You know, <laughs> it's all set up. Teeth were not flaring so, out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so. Um, so that was a bit of a learning curve is to learn how to do um, laboratory work. Yeah. And I think that's um, something that uh, on top of that, then you've got the usual tutorials, clinic, treatment planning, study. Um, I think it consumed most of our time up until maybe um, 6.37 most nights. Yeah. So uh, because we had we would finish the end of the day, then we'd have to trim up our models that we took, um, articulate them, wax ups plans. Yes. Or setting up dentures or <laughs> doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and well, well yeah. let's, let's, let's get back into the, the primaries part of things, you know, sometimes sure, when you're sure. applying, some of the viewers are probably wondering, you know, how, I mean, primaries is one aspect, but sometimes it's like demonstrating that you've got an interest in pros, isn't it? Is something that's important as well? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, um, um, the primaries is the one aspect for, um, as I said, from getting back into the swing of studying and managing your time and yeah. prioritizing and also just learning our dentistry again you know the, the basics that we would have probably forgotten from first and second years yes so. yes and um and then from there is um the demonstrated interest in pros which um from from my point of view was the cpd that i was going through yes so showing that you've done cpd towards pros for example or yes. towards your particular specialty that you're interested in yes. um then then also, uh, uh, depending on the, the course, um, some of them had um, portfolios that you had to show, you know, um, or a case presentation. Yeah. And for, from our point of view, they were, they were looking at how we can articulate, how we can d discern what's important parts of a case to present. Mm. And lo and behold, they're actually preparing us for our case presentations as we go through our course by oh, doing wow. that. Yeah, yeah. So, because some of the feedback I got from that was useful for as we go through a course. You know? Right, so, right. I follow, yeah. I follow. And then, and, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, so then we just, so um, 
and sort of what sort of journals you were reading was one of the common questions we got asked in the in those interviews as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and also what what are your plans? What do you want to do beyond um, your pros well your specialty program? What what are your intentions or your interests, etc. Yes. And I think that's part of the reason why they don't um, they recommend you to at least have a couple of years of um, general dental experience before you apply. Mm-hmm. Because then you can build up that uh, at least a level of um, understanding of the the discipline that you want to try and get into. So yeah, fair enough. So yeah, yeah. that that makes us into the point where okay, so now you've graduated, right? Yeah. So how did you find you know that part of things? So I had um, um, I had an interest in teaching, and I still do. And mm-hmm. so um, in my before pros, I was also teaching general dentistry in La Trobe Uni um, in Wodonga. So not not in Bendigo, but in the other um, rotation that they had. Yeah. So um, so I think I wanted to continue that, or at least foster that a little bit. So I took up a clinical tutoring position in the university. So I worked two days a week with the university, pretty much um, almost all clinical teaching, clinical yeah. tutoring. Uh, then, then the the other times I was working in um, the the hospital. So the hospital I was working in um, in Westmead mostly. So um, with a small stint in private practice as well. So uh, and that was about half a day to a day a week. Right. So yeah. So so and- do you know do specialists when they graduate prefer to set up their own shop or work with someone else first, or do they want to work in a team of specialists? And I think that varies from person to person is the short answer. Yeah. So um, as I said, my, um, my initial thought was, um, um, was to throw my net out, cast my net out and work out what it is I love, what it is I wanted to continue on and fostering mm. in terms of my interests. And, and, that, and that's not just the, the work environment, but also the types of procedures I wanted to do, the types of things I wanted to learn more about. Um, and as you can probably tell, um, a specialist's CPD life does not stop at <laughs> graduation of the specialty degree. I think I went on and did far more CPD after my specialty degree than I did <laughs> beforehand. So, right, right. Tell us, yeah. tell us about that. So what? So yeah. where did you go from there? Because now are you looking at international? Are you looking at still local yes. ones or like where's? Um, and there, 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 there is. I had a lot of opportunities, and I'm very thankful for a lot of those opportunities because I don't think I would have gotten them had I not gone through my pros degree and and. So, um, so mix of interstate, international, and and local stuff. So, what um, probably the so the the first international one was the um, the ICP conference, International College of Prosthodontics. Yes. In Korea, mm-hmm. and so that was my first time in Seoul as well. So, <laughs> so I, um, and we actually tied that up with our with my wife's honeymoon um uh, honeymoon with my wife and i in japan as well perfect so, <laughs> perfect so we um so we went between the two countries for um yeah uh, for the icp part in korea yes. and and toured around in both countries and we um and 
and that exposed us to all of these big name um, prosthodontics and, and other prosthodontic related um, academics and speakers that we would only, at that point, we would, I would only have read about in our journals, for example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I presented my research there as a poster. So, and people come across, ask questions about it as usual. Yes. And, um, and basically, um, I think the, the, um, who was it that came across the, there was one, um, yes, that's right. So the biggest name that came across to, to look at my poster was Matthias Kern. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and he, he introduced himself and I'm like, uh, in my head, I'm like, oh, wow, it's Matthias Kern. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, you really kind of knew what he looked like beforehand, right? Or was it the name badge he was walking? Sort of. Sort of, yeah. 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 Um, but then, yeah, the introduction made it, you know, clearer, obviously. So, <laughs> And then he looks at my poster and he goes, oh, can you send me a copy of your poster? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got his email and I sent him a copy of my poster. So uh, my, my, my research was on zirconia. And as you know, he's done a lot of um, research and textbooks on resin-bonded bridges, which is... Yes. Um, um, including in metal and in and in all ceramic and zirconia, so so I can I can see that he had an interest in you know my my findings on my research and, and he's just probably added to his catalog of information <laughs> at the time. <laughs> right. So yeah, so that's 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 an interesting story. Um, but yeah, so that that was probably my biggest um, international one to start with. Yes. Um, and then I did a, a lot of different courses in in rempros occlusion uh tmd um and and also and also going through pros societies um i was i was a member of the prosthodontic society so there would be different people coming in from interstate and sometimes overseas mm -hmm. doing talks there so um short answer is is my my cpd just kept going and and i'm really glad it did <laughs> yeah so so basically when you graduate you i mean for for in your case you went overseas and did the um international conference and that was kind of like a good stepping stone to kind of branch out and see what was available outside Absolutely, interact with yeah. other people and then you came yeah. back and joining the specialist society that was another way to find out oh what's coming to australia that would be yeah. relevant that i could attend Yes, and and we and initially, as I said, as a member, we'd see um, they would they'll bring in occasionally um, international conferences, like one um, once every year or two years as well, international speakers. So um, we had Prof Sadowski um, as well as um, um, Urs Brodbeck. So they're they're big. Um, Prof Sadowski is a big name in the US for implantology, mm. and Urs Brodbeck was. Um, was a lot on uh, ceramics, Cranbridge, uh, including the laboratory side of things as well. So, right. and that was through that was through the Pro Society. And at the moment, we have we can't bring in anyone, you know, internationally. So, of course, of course, yeah. So it's a bit hard to do things like that at the moment. But that was that was what we tried to do um, and tried to attend and things like that. Yeah. When and, would you uh, say, you know, a recent graduate should, you know, um, join the like a specialist group and, you know, what can they kind of expect to kind of get out from it? 
Yeah, so the specialist societies, I think the the main reason for for new graduates is is to meet other people, so other general dentists, other specialists, um, well, and this and plus or minus all the the speakers that would, would would turn up to that, and it's a good way to learn who it is that who is out there, who's who can potentially be. Um, Help, uh, who could actually help new graduates, whether it be through mentoring or or, or anything like that. Um, I mean, that's that, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything formal like that. But it's just uh, and socialising, you know, just to know um, who 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 your local specialists are, for example. Mm. So, and that's one way to meet them, um, particularly in the specialist of of your. Um, interest or choosing so whether it be orthodontics endodontics oral surgery all, all of the societies um all of the special i think most of the specialties have a uh, a branch specific of group. Yeah. a specific group so obviously i'm i'm in, involved in the prosthodontic society um, of course. but if you had, <laughs> if you had if you had um interest in endodontics then or perio then you would join um you i would consider joining their their societies as well so um and and yeah just meeting people of similar interests as well so it, it just and and as a social event i mean you, we work quite hard a lot of us and mm-hmm. um and sometimes these are these these are the things that bring us out in weekdays you know otherwise we'd be going home and <laughs> and looking looking after our families and that sort of stuff as well so yeah um, one of the questions that one of our viewers were asking as well was, you know, as someone who's worked for another senior um, specialist first, are their limitations yeah. the same as that for a general dentist associate? Or is like, you know, like access to materials, maybe the types of procedures you might be doing? Yes. Yeah, so I think, I think overall, um, most, most practices are structured as um, um, SFAs or um, um, service facility agreements. Um and in in those instances, particularly, um, uh, or if or as an employee, for example. So, um, if if you're an employee, obviously you're restricted by um, the the types of materials that are within that practice or within that organisation. So, as a SF as an SFA, you could you could ask for materials probably a little bit more. Um, that if, if it's something that everyone's mutually interested in, so they, they got it in for us. Um, mm. If it's something where it's more more for me and the others weren't really that interested in, um, I tended to try and source it myself if I could. Of course. So, of course. yeah, so I think it just really depends on um, who's interested in what, I guess. And yes. um, um, as you know, that there, there is... Um, and... and um, I, at first, I was hesitant to buy things myself, and I started doing that more and more, and realizing, you know, yeah, sometimes it's better to. If um, you want it, you should go out and get it. If no one else, is. yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like in in my current situation as well now, like sometimes I feel like there's particular resources that I would like to have that would complement what I'm doing, especially when we've learned about it through CPD. But exactly, you know, yeah. Um, the practice might not the the practice might not be purchasing it, so I go out of my way to go and get it to at least uh, provide and complement it. Yeah. 
you know, it could so, be as simple as, I guess, um, for a general dentist, maybe like a camera, like, you know, your practice might not have a digital 100%. camera. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to get the camera to take it to the next level. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that one. That's probably the biggest um, purchase. I'd, I'd, um, that's probably one of the first purchases I'd recommend for um, if you having your own camera has the benefit of if you work in multiple places, you can take it around with you as opposed yeah. to. Um, you know, you take the photos, you forget to download it onto your USB left there and you and then you can't look at it for a week or then then the technician's calling is like, where's the photos? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. But I said I was going to send, you know, that, that, these are the sort of things that, no. but yeah, the camera, um, having your own cameras has, has benefits that way. And then you can pick the one. Um, I have um, two Nikon's, um, and both of them I was using as um, hobby cameras before before dental as well. Yeah. So, so for me that transition was a bit smoother. I just had to buy new lens and flash, yes. and and I could use it as a dental camera. So perfect, perfect. You know, yeah. get best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you you said you had like an interest in software and computer. Did that yes. have anything to do with? what you talk a lot about now which is digital dentures you know you know what are your thoughts on them now and you know where do you think it's going to take us i think um yeah so like with anything it's a tool so understanding where the tool is beneficial and where it still has limitations so um what's the current limitation is and to know the limitations you need to know what's what the procedure that you're trying to do requires. So if you're looking at full dentures, for example, the traditional complete full upper denture requires some level of peripheral compression around the um, peripheries of the denture. So to get the peripheral compression, can an optical scanner or an optical camera do that? The answer is probably not. Mm. So, um, what's the, so then what's the next step? is can or can we then take an impression and then optically scan the impression and that's a possibility so these are the sort of um um so just sort of not just saying oh i just want to do a digital denture but understanding the whole process of acquisition design manufacture delivery maintenance you know that sort of stuff so and that goes not just with dentures but also with all all forms of digital dentistry so including cerex and um, implant crown and bridge all of that sort of stuff so um, so from that point of view I was looking for um, scanners that can do more and more things uh, for the types of work I do as you know I do quite a bit of um, com- removable pros but also all, all forms right. of pros in general yes so I didn't want so if I was just doing removable pros and removable pros only I'd probably be looking more at a desktop scanner to right. scan impressions, you know, that, and you can probably do that a lot more easier and a lot more accurately from that mm. point of view. But because I also do crown and bridge work, implantology, all of that sort of stuff, I, um, it felt like I needed to change and do more, um, get, get something that can potentially do more. And so that's where I went into something like the prime scan, for example, from Densply. So, cause I can actually scan impressions with that as well, as well wow, as doing, yeah. um, as well as um, doing um, crown and bridge scanning and that sort of stuff as well. So, uh, so 
whereas if if I if you asked me a few years ago, I don't think any of the intraoral scanners would be able to do um, um, a scan of a, a complete denture impression, for example. At least not not to the accuracy, or not yeah. be able to stitch it up properly. So, yeah. so that's one. That's the yes. acquisition. And then then the next step is is probably a bit more out of our control and more in the laboratory control. So the design and the manufacture. Yes. So that's where I think a lot of um, things are heading is um, is the design and manufacturers getting more and more digital, mm-hmm. but would still need the analog touch, <laughs> I guess, in that sense. So, so hence, I, I don't think I, I'm, I'd be game enough to do a full denture from start to finish completely digitally is the short answer. Yes, yes. So, but there I mean, are, I, but there I, are I, aspects you could, yeah. But I mean, like it, it smoothens it out, right? The process, the, the flow. Like whereas before, you would have to send it, wait for it to come back. But now you can just email it across, and then they could yeah, so, start the process. Yes, and 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 have been able to do that as well. So, for, um, so take, taking away less logistics of it. So I've been getting, um, for example, three um, D manufactured custom tracks from three D printed. So, and they're, they're sent from intraoral scans that have been emailed. And then a few days later, it comes in the mail. So, you know, just... <laughs> nice and easy. You know, one, yeah. I remember back at uni, um, I was uh, on Seric Files because someone introduced it to me. And they were talking about, like, incorporating um, milled chrome, uh, not, not chrome, sorry, milled dentures of the sort, uh, yeah. partial even. Um, but has that progressed since then? Yes, so um, milling of dentures is definitely possible, and it, I think it just determ- it's really determined by the laboratory and what equipment and things they have. So it's not as simple as asking a local lab or just do it. You know, it, it, sometimes it, it pays to actually understand what is their capacity. Yes. Or do we do we have to go elsewhere, for example? So, um, and that's where the communication between the laboratory becomes really important because they they can enlighten you as to okay well for, with with our capability this is what we can do or mm-hmm. or we could do parts of the process so right now I mean from a manufacturer point of view I've been getting um, 3d printed um, cast frameworks so instead of being fabricated as a, instead of being traditionally cast like a gold restoration or a framework, they're actually just 3D printing the metal frameworks. So, um, and that wow. can be done, that can be done in most cases with a single intraoral scan. Wow. So not, not even a secondary, so a single intraoral scan. So that's one way that, it can make proce- certain processes more efficient. Yeah. Um, that does that does that apply to every scenario? There are some scenarios where that's not a good idea, but yeah. overall, in many cases, you can skip certain steps because of the application of digital technology. Mm, wow. I guess so, yeah. Maybe in the next few years' time, we'll get more information about it. Once and more technicians also bring that on board, we might see that as something that might transition to more general. Yeah, and and that's something that is is progressively being advanced on year on year. So yeah. what we have now is is more capability than what we had three or four years ago, and similarly before, before that, that as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And so, so we would need to keep up on we, everyone needs to everyone with an interest in prosthodontics needs to keep up with what's available. Yes. In order to uh, in order to capitalize on it, you make use of it. So. Mm. Um. So of all the CPDs that you've done, you know whether it be in general or in um. So when you've after you specialized, has there been one that's been a you know a game changer for you or dentistry? I, I would say every CPD course that we've done has contributed in some way to how we think and how we practice. So some are much more subtle than others. Um, so, so for that reason, I've got two that I'll probably say that has the greatest influence on me. And then the one was that full mouth rehab course that I did in Sydney. And and it may and it may just be also for me the timing as well as the actual course itself, right? And so for me that was um, Tony Rotondo, Michael Mandikos, uh, Mark Inhupalo, um were the three main people involved in that course at the time. This is the mini residency one, right? It's well they do mini residencies, but they also do like a two day um, didactic. Yes. On that, so um so and that was in sydney as i said at the time so we we're just in a hotel for two days talking about um uh, full mouth rehabilitations yes so, and as i said that as for me as i said it was not not just the content but the timing um it opened my up into my opened my eyes up into so much more that we hadn't been exposed to in dental school um at least not to the same degree yeah so not only about full mouth reconstruction, but aesthetics, about occlusion, um, it, so in, in a lot more detail than, than um, my understanding was at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and vertical dimension, for example, that was a big thing as well for me. So that was one. The other course that was probably very influential was, um, was um, I did a... Um, Initially, I did a, a short, like a one-day course for um, the learning uh, complete dentures. Uh, that was the suction effective mandibular complete denture technique by Dr. Jira Abe. So he came out to Sydney. Yes. And um, we and he, he would come to Australia actually very regularly, actually, that I found out, and and do courses not only for general general public but also for their instructors you know like the, the ones that are now teaching it on his behalf i guess yes. in that sense so, yeah. so um and that sort of opened my eyes up into getting uh i already lo- liked removable pros before this by the way so mm-hmm. but what that did is is um exposed me to not just the the, the really technical aspects that are slightly different from what I was already doing, but also a, a philosophy. And the philosophy was um, to provide the, the, the best removable pros care um, because not everyone can afford implants. Not everyone can afford um, fixed, pro- fixed implant prosthetics. I love doing them, but that doesn't mean everyone's going <laughs> to be able to, to do them. So, yes. And... And it just really gelled in with what I wanted to do as a prosthodontist is not to be um, is is to to be a bit more 
is to be accessible. I didn't want to be the um, the super ultra fancy boutique <laughs> prosthodontist. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that fit in a bit more with my personality of what I wanted to do, as well as my my um my ethic, my my um work ethic and things like that. So I wanted to be able to offer the offer these things as a gen genuine option as opposed to oh we can do this because you can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you what you're saying. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of times it is can be quite expensive when you do all the crowns and um, all the bridges or implants um, and dentury is one way that we can give them their full uh, mouth rehabilitation but at a more affordable price um, given what they're after yeah and and also understanding that we can't satisfy everyone that way and trying to predict the ones that we're likely to satisfy and the ones that we aren't so so there's a so um that that's something that sort of um, developed over time from postgrad, but also through um, courses afterwards. Mm. So uh, after that one, I I took the opportunity to actually fly to Japan and um, did a, a hands-on course within there as well. Yes. And so that was with um, three or four patients in his practice and literally with him over the shoulder watching how you did all the technical aspects of what wow. this technique. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> perfect, also, yeah. And also, just as a, an aside, he, um, the course, it was two days. Half a day was devoted to lab work. Right, right. So what, the, and, and this is for the clinicians. This is, they have a separate course for, for um, technicians. Right. So think the, I think the importance of how the laboratory work was done was actually part of the the precision that's involved in the whole process and so if the clinician doesn't understand that how is he going to communicate to the technician who's not as initiated exactly yeah yeah uh, of you know like what what's involved how it should be shaped how it should be um set up and things like that so Wow, yeah, so, that wasn't that sounds like it was a pretty interesting course because you got to one work with patients on it because you know yeah. there's not a lot of those courses out there. A lot of it's no, you know, on models exactly, and then they took you to explaining you why this has to be made. Like this is the way it it why it has to be done this way for it to work, as opposed to yeah. this is how you should do it, and then go on. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. for me, it was clinically applicable. Uh, for me because I was already doing a fair amount of removable pros, but then I can take it a bit more step further and I started in introducing a bit more bits and pieces to my practices that I was yeah. working at at the time. So yeah, so I'm um so I so what I didn't do and this is this is just my, me generally is I took influences from everywhere, not just one particular workflow, one particular item. So um, I don't, for example, I don't necessarily use all Ivoclar products throughout the whole process because um, although it's fairly heavily Ivoclar leaning, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean, so yes. the, the whole process. So, um, but also just um, taking into account the knowledge of that we've taken from so many different sources. So not to bind yourself by one philosophy, but to take a few different approaches and philosophies and blend things together and that's what i've also done as well 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was we were talking to Sahil before as well. He was just, you know, it wasn't one particular composite course that really changed him. It was a... It was a lot of these other ones that he was attending along the way and it was building up his knowledge, but it was kind of like this one that kind of helped bind it all together. But he said that if you attended just that course, that wouldn't have changed it. It was, it had to 100%. be a build up. Yeah. 100%. It is an accumulation of experience and knowledge, not just, um, not just following one process at, at the exclusion of everything else. Yeah. At least that's, that's how I feel anyway. So. Mm. So was there um, any particular CPD that you felt that you didn't quite implement um, or wasn't as beneficial for you at the time? I mean, you might have mentioned it with maybe the all-on-four at the time. The all-on-four probably, yeah. <laughs> that um, early on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, because that early on in our career, that's kind of, it was it was kind of like um, an area-fairy concept to me at the time. So yes. um, partly because working in the country, I'd say I'd, we'd rarely get anyone that would be willing to spend the coin on that as well. So. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. who's been pivotal in your career path? Who's been pivotal? I think, um, and and this is, I guess this, there's a lot of people involved in getting getting us to where we're, getting, uh, getting me to where I am today. I mean, if you're talking about, Who's pivotal? I mean, the first one would probably be my parents to start with, <laughs> so yeah. to allow me to to. Uh, otherwise, I, I wouldn't have been in Adelaide in the first place. So I'm from Melbourne originally, and um, if it wasn't for their support, you know, I can't. I wouldn't have gone into done dentistry because I had to do dentistry in Adelaide. So that's right. Yeah, there's that. Um, but from a from a course point of view, I mean, we um, particularly when it comes to pros in general. So there's Prof- Professor Ivan Kleinberg who ran the pros course at the time. Yes. Um, and he's, I think that him, um, I would say pretty much every um, every tutor that we had um, because they spent a lot of time with us, sometimes out of hours just to, to get us through. Um, and I couldn't thank them enough to to go through that with us. And, and then... Professor um, Professor Kleinberg also really fostered my interest in education, um, in in terms of um, uh, teaching. So he helped me. Um, one of the things he did was he sponsored me to um, recommended me to go to the Young Prosthodontic Educators Conference in Germany. Wow! So that yeah. was at the time that was held in Germany every two two years or so. Yes. So um, so after I graduated. Um, and I had my position in Sydney, Sydney Uni. They, uh, I was, um, I was nominated to, to attend that. And so, I think that really helped cement my desire to keep teaching, to keep um, in in one form or another. So mm. I don't do as much now as I as I did before, partly because of um, um, the new new gen- new practice that we're running. But. Um, um, and so that's why I'm also branching out into um, hopefully hopefully running more CPD courses, COVID willing. So. Yes, yes. So has there been any particular struggles in your dental CPD um, journey so far that some of our viewers might not know about? So I think, I mean, the, 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 the main struggles was, I think, learning what's the best way to learn. And, and that's... Um, 
that's something that was actually really difficult for me because I didn't know um, how I learned best. I had a fairly shotgun approach to, <laughs> to learning. Yeah. I'll try watching videos. I'll try doing hands-on. I'll try reading. And I don't think I knew really well the um, the best way I, I, I learned throughout uh, until um, until I think probably after um, graduating dentistry. I mean, a lot of the times I was working with um, working with other uh, dental students and just trying uh, almost um, studying by myself, studying with other people, trying to do whatever I could to keep afloat of yes. uh, how, how I how I learned and how I taught myself, I guess, in that sense. So what I did learn, um, and this was after dental school, was that um, it was I was I was not I didn't take in theory very well, and I was a lot more of an an, an applied person so mm -hmm. hands-on courses or courses which um did um uh i think that were less didactic and more um more okay well in thinking about the situations thinking mm -hmm. about what to do where rather than and rather than being recipes to memorize yeah so the ones that made me think were the probably the ones that had a lasting impression on me. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like just what you've said before. It was um, with Dr. Abe's one, it was like you could apply it on the patients and it was kind of explaining to you um, as you were kind of going what you're Absolutely. looking for. And that was so, how you were kind of piecing it all together as opposed to being like them just feeding you all this information but not being able to apply it in practice and not be yeah. able to see how it all comes together. So, and I think that blending of the theory and practice is probably the, the biggest aspect of it. So, um, because we are inherently, we are, we are, um, we are a, a, um, a hands-on profession in most yeah. cases. So, um, and if we're, and it's that sort of kinesthetic learning that, that um, for me, uh, and and I think that's probably what was naturally attract, attracted me to dentistry in the first place. I didn't know it at the time, but that's probably why that mm. I didn't feel comfortable in front of a computer eight eight hours a day doing IT. <laughs> yes, yes. I liked it as a hobby, but I did not like it as a something as a career because I'm I'm just sitting in front of the computer typing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I know you have a special interest in REMPROS, but what does your ideal clinical day look like? You know, the type of procedures you might be getting up to. So my ideal day, I mean, is one where I can see, um, firstly, see what, what I've got for the day. And then usually it's a mix of um, fixed implant and REMPROS. So I do, as um, so I've, if 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 you if I was to divvy it up, I mean, it'd probably be like in thirds, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, as you know, that it doesn't always happen, and and most of the time it comes in waves. So there'll be a few weeks where I'm I'm mostly doing complete denture or rempros work, and then there, and then there's a few weeks that I'm doing just almost all recon work. So. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I guess that's how it always is. Um, yeah, so, so what do you hope your ideal, you know, clinical or non-clinical day to look like in five years' time? 
yeah so i think i'm hoping that i'm uh in, in a position where i can do about four days a week ongoing because i can then spend a bit more time with the family <laughs> and, mm. and um and then uh, maybe half a day or a day of sort of administrative work and reports and letters and things to catch up on so that my um weekends can be clear and i'm hoping i can get to that in the next few years so. <laughs> <laughs> is there any particular cpd that you want to do or you're interested in doing you know maybe when covid kind of walk um uh, I, uh you know when the borders to open up yeah so i think i think from there i mean my i mean we've in in our pros program we've done quite a lot of um you know sort of implant rehabilitation pros and that sort of stuff so um what I probably would like to do is more of a, a bit of a more of an update on that. So, mm. and, and not just, um, not just, uh, uh, um, didactically, but hands-on as well. So, um, because it's, um, I think that's, that's probably where I'd like to take it at the moment. And, and that's partly because now we've got, um, as you probably know, we've got um, Dr. Leo on board in 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 our practice. So um, yes. generally, um, generally these sort of courses work well when you go in as a pros surgical team, as opposed to um, one person go one and the other person go separately. So yes. So I think that's that's probably where I'll go once COVID probably um, take um, takes a bit of a hold and. Uh, uh, um allows us to travel a bit more yeah and and also yeah just the um yeah it's just and also working uh, maxillofacial pros which is um as you know, um so patients who have suffered um a lot of tooth and bone loss due to oral cancer or injuries or or otherwise so um, I, I did have an in, uh, interest in that, but um, it's obviously not a very common um, uh, condition to come across in Australia. So a lot of the courses for that for that are usually in the US. Mm, so yeah, yeah. So once that borders there. open up, you'll be able to fly over there and then do it. Yeah. That. So that's yeah. That's one of that's one of the interests that was fostered in postgraduate. But mm -hmm. as I said, outside of that, it's not there's nothing there's not as many courses on that in australia for for surgical and restorative specialists here so i'd love to um be a little bit more um experienced in that as well so yeah and then maybe one day you could bring it here as well yeah so uh, that'll be <laughs> that'll be awesome <laughs> so you currently run a course on non-implant options for a single missing teeth you know yes. how did that come about and how do you kind of support your you know participants during and after it so that to be honest that sort of came about with what we were talking about before is having a, a didactic course that you can immediately apply hands-on straight away um because not everyone out uh, post-graduation goes straight into doing implant surgeries or want to do implant surgeries so you need to know what sort of um options are out there alternate to that um which and it's not necessarily a denture so you kind of um but you to to apply it critically working out what scenarios where it's good or what not good and then also then the hands-on practice of actually 
preparing or taking impressions for or, or making temporaries for these sort of prostheses or procedures. So um, Michael Frazes and I did um, sort of come up with this um, the year before and we made it a reality last year, even, even though COVID hit, we were able to um, service a small batch on as a hands-on component and then a larger group as a didactic component online. Right. So, um, base and COVID willing, we will we'll be running that again this year. So, um, hopefully, and um, if it all works out, then I'd I'd like to keep this as an ongoing course, and it's specifically designed for recent graduates. So, um, because as 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 we mentioned before, um, this is how it worked for me: is a didactic where you can just apply ideally straight away and then soon after in your own practice. So, mm. uh, and that's what I'm hoping that the attendees get out of this one as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess for a lot of recent graduates, you know, it's not common that they come um, with cases that have multiple missing teeth. It's more common that you might have, you know, one tooth that needs to be removed and then or, replacing it and yeah. Yeah, so one or two teeth, you know, the, the, the concepts are fairly similar from that. So. And so that's the reason why uh, um, we designed that that sort of course because um, yes, an implant is an option, but there are some reasons why that may not be the case, with whether it be physical limitations or cost. So, mm. and you kind of want to have a few things up your sleeve that and be confident in saying that it's still an acceptable or the right thing to do. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great message to do for recent graduates. So, Dr. Shravan Chandru, thank you so much for your time today. Um, if you could let the people know how they can find you or what you've got going on in your life. So, um, I'm on Instagram as at Dr. Shravan Pros, um, and then also um, my practice page is adelaidecad.com.au, adelaidecad.com.au. Um, and people can feel free to message me through the social medias or or, or through the through our website as well. And thanks for very much for having me on, Lawrence. If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends, and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.